Well, good evening, everyone. Well, firstly, thank you very much to Mark for inviting me here. It's great to come and be a part of your service tonight. So, uh, Mark's obviously just, just read, the, uh, read the passage and your theme being perseverance. So I'm going to be sharing my story with you tonight. And as I get underway, sometimes with my disability, you would have noticed that I'm physically disabled by now, by how long that took me to get up on the stage. Uh, and uh, when I was uh, 17 years old, I went to a mainstream school uh, near Bristol for sixth form. And uh, although it was a mainstream school, they had a number of disabled people there. And they had some extra staff to help out these disabled people. And uh, one of these members of staff came up to me uh, one day saying, we've got something through the post which you might be interested in. It's regional trials for disabled athletics. Would you like to have a go? And I thought to myself, I've never raced disabled people before. This could be quite good fun. So she said the event's down in Yeovil, which from my house at the time was about an hour and a half's drive. And she said it's in just over three weeks' time, so you need to get your entry in pretty quickly. So I took the forms home and I thought to myself, I'm not very quick, but I can keep going. So I entered the 1500 metres. I then thought, if I'm going all the way down to Yeovil, what's the point in doing one race? I might as well enter a second race too. So I entered the 400 metres. Now, you have to bear in mind, I'd never actually run 1,500 metres before. I'd walked it, but I'd never actually run it. But I thought, oh, it'll be fine, I'll make it. I'll, I'll have no problem. So I trained for it over those three weeks, and I gradually built up to it, and I ran 1,500 metres twice in practice. Then it was the day of the event, and I arrived in Yeovil, and my name was called for the starting line uh, for the 1,500 metres. And I thought it was going to be like the Paralympics, where they put you into categories according to your disability. No. There were three of us. There was me, there was someone who had cerebral palsy, and the other man, he was partially sighted. He could run just like anyone else, just couldn't see so well where he was going. And I thought, this is going to go horribly wrong. The race got underway, and I was soon rolled behind the other two, and it suddenly occurred to me, the partially sighted man, he's going to lap me. Is he going to see me? <laughs> Fortunately, he ran round me. Then the cerebral palsy man lapped me, and then the partially sighted man lapped me again. And I ended up having to run the whole last lap all on my own. Then, as I was coming onto the final bend with 200 metres to go, I heard an announcement over the sound system. Can Bart G please come to the starting line for the 400 metres? <laughs> I'm thinking I'm on my way. <laughs> and do you know what was wrong with the winner of the 400 metres? He was deaf. My only chance was that he couldn't hear the gun. <laughs> there, were, there were people who came in wheelchairs uh, that day. Um, I assume it was probably to rest their legs before they raced. They all got out of their wheelchairs, they all ran around and beat me, and then they all got back in them again. <laughs> so, uh, as you can imagine, I never actually took part in that event again. I still found it funny anyway. <laughs> Didn't bother me about losing. So, that's one of many stories I could tell. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna start off, uh, start off with some scripture. Matthew 14, verse 22 to 33. It should be up on, on screen. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night he was there alone and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. 
Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Now, I think immediately when Peter stepped out of the boat towards Jesus, he must have been completely out of his comfort zone. And once he began to realise the difficulty of the situation with his own strength and thought that this is impossible, that's when he began to sink and cried out, Lord, save me, when Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. And this shows me that instead of focusing on the difficulty of a situation, to put your trust in God, ask God to step in and he will take control. Now, a comfort zone, I think of it a, a little bit like being, uh, being in a box. You're content, the box has no room to expand, you don't develop or make progress. A box has limits. Now, three points to do with God. God is omnipotent, as in he is all-powerful. Uh, Matthew 19, verse 26, says, Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. And then God is omniscient, as in he knows everything. Psalm 147 verse 5 says, Great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. And then Isaiah 40 verse 28 says, Have you not known, have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. And then God is omnipresent as in he is everywhere. Psalm 139 Verse 1 to 18 says, You have searched me, O Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark for you, the night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. So if God is all-powerful, if God knows everything, if, if God is everywhere, this shows to me that God has no limits. 
So onto my onto my story. When I was five years old, uh, I went to a car auction with my family, and Dad and my brother had got out the car, and I was uh, I was sat in the car with Mum, and I said to Mum, "I want to become a Christian. How do I become a Christian?" Because even at that age, five years old, with my limited understanding, I had absolutely no doubt whatsoever about God's existence. So, Mum, first of all, explained to me the scripture from John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And she said, I need to pray and ask Jesus into my heart. Romans 10, verse 9 to 10 says, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. So there in the car with mum, that's when I made my own personal decision to become a Christian. I prayed and asked Jesus into my heart to be central in my life. Now, I've had the question asked in the past, obviously I'm physically disabled. If God is real, how come he hasn't healed me of my disability? Now, I do, I really do believe that God can heal people instantly. But I also believe that God can use people through the difficulty of a situation uh, so that his works can be displayed and for his glory to shine through that person. And just one more scripture, 2 Corinthians 12, verse 8 to 10, says, Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Now, I was born with quite a rare physical disability called arthrogryposis. Any any of you ever heard of it? No, no. So, it basically means that I've got weak muscles and stiff joints. Now, arthrogryposis itself can affect people in different ways. So, for example, one person might have it in just their wrist. Other people might have it in half of their body. Other people like me. It affects my whole body. And it can also affect people in different levels of how severe it can be. And when I was uh, born, doctors said I would never walk. They said I may never have the strength to be able to sit up independently. And that I would have a, I would have a very bleak outlook to life. Now I was, uh, I was brought up in a Christian family in the church that I went to. Uh, the pastor of our, of our church, he uh, prophesied to my parents saying little by little that I would do more and more new things that will amaze people. And he prayed for two things specifically. And I believe that when you, when you pray and ask God to step into, into your situation, this is God who is all powerful. God who knows everything, God who is everywhere, God who has no limits, so therefore he knows no impossibility. I believe that he can totally transform a situation that is impossible for us into something miraculous. So the first thing that the pastor prayed for was that one day I would be physically able to walk down the aisle of the church, and this is going completely against what the doctors were saying. Well, I'm not exactly sure how old I was when I was able to sit up independently. But I remember when I was three years old, because I grew up in Bristol, I used to go to um, the Bristol Children's Hospital very regularly for physiotherapy sessions. And I remember this uh, one session in, in, in particular, it was really clear in my mind. 
with a physiotherapist. She propped me up against the wall, a little bit like this. She let go of me, and she said, I want to see if you can start walking. And I remember trying and trying and trying, and I couldn't move. And I felt really frustrated at the time, because there were other children my age, three years old, up on their feet running around. I thought, well, why can't I do that? I didn't really understand at that age what my disability meant to me. I didn't even realize that I looked so different from an able-bodied person. Well, sometime after that, I would have been about three and a half years old. And mum was carrying me up the stairs to go to bed. And as we were going up the stairs, a thought just dropped into my head. Now, you're going to start walking. It was as clear as that, even at that age. So I said to mum, I think I'm going to start walking now. So in the same way, as the physiotherapist propped me up against the wall, mum propped me up against the wall. And she let go of me, and I took one, two, three steps, and then I fell down. We tried it again. I did one, two, three steps, and then I fell down. Now, someone who is uh, physically disabled is often referred to as having physical difficulties. And if you think of the word difficult, you might think of other words with a similar meaning. It might be the word hard, or the word challenging. Now, is there a word that sums up difficult, hard, and challenging? Now, for me, that word I've actually mentioned in one of the scriptures already, with man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Difficult means possible. Hard means possible. Challenging means possible. So I think it was quite significant that I was able to start by taking three steps, because my first step, I was already aided by the wall, but then I was able to take two more, Unaided. So just the very fact that I was able to take a step on each foot unaided meant for me that, that walking was going to be the start of something difficult, hard and challenging for me, but I knew it was going to be possible. So from then onwards, it was a matter of, could I just do a little bit more? So I remember the next day, I would literally be, be trying to get from, from one, side of the, one side of the room to the other. So, so I'd start by the wall, and I'd get so far across and I'd fall down and I'd get picked up again and I'd get a bit further and then I'd fall down and I'd get picked up again and I eventually made it to the, to the other side and then I was able to do a little bit more each day until eventually walking I was able to actually start walking without actually thinking about what I, what I was doing and this for me was, was great because it meant that I had such freedom I didn't have to rely on other people in the same way I was actually able to move around on my own able to be independent so before I carry on with my story none of this is to say look what I can do but I want to show you the miracle that I believe that God has performed in my life now I went to I went to a mainstream school uh, uh, growing up and uh, when I used to go out with my friends at break time I didn't really want to watch them uh, play sports or take part in activities I really wanted to try and find my own ways to take part and, and so I was able to take part in a number of sports including running, football table tennis, swimming just to mention a few um, all at varying levels of ability often worse than an able-bodied person uh, would do them but for me it was just about being able to take part 
let's try and find my own way because I, I didn't know anyone with the same disability as me growing up. So uh, I remember when I was eight years old, I started uh, having swimming lessons at school. And I remember uh, in my first swimming lesson, my swimming teacher, he put a life jacket on me and he came in the shallow end of the pool and he said, I want to see if you can start swimming. Now you have to bear in mind that my disability affects my whole body, so I've got very limited use of all my limbs. So I can't actually lift my arms any more than that to actually keep them in, in the air. I can swing them, but there's no, no strength to actually keep them in the air. But just the very fact that I had that bit of movement in my arms meant that I could move slowly in the water. So at the end of that lesson, my swimming teacher, he took my life jacket off and he said, right, I want you to go and swim down to the deep end. <laughs> and it, I was pretty slow. It took me a couple of minutes to get down there. But uh, yeah, I'm, I made it just about, just above the water. Um, and then sometime after that, he was teaching me to stand up by the side of the pool at the deep end. And he wanted me to dive in. Now, obviously, most people dive using their hands first, but I can't keep my hands in, hands in the air. So he taught me a different technique. And I would literally have to stand by the side, side of the pool at the deep end, and I'd have to fall forwards. And when I'm underwater, I then have to turn and come up on my back. And I was really, really quite scared about this. I'd be stood at the side of the pool for 10, 15 minutes trying to have the courage to dive in. I remember one time he, was, he just couldn't wait any longer for me to, to dive in, that he just came along and pushed me. But I, am, I, I, I think in the same way, sometimes we can face difficult situations in our own lives. We can't necessarily see how it's going to work. I couldn't see how diving into the pool like that was going to work. But, yeah, so, in, so in, the, in the same way in our, in our own lives, we can face difficult situations. We can't necessarily see the outcome. But rather than focusing on the difficulty of the situation, we need to put our trust in God. God knows the outcome. God is in control. And in the same way, I had to trust my teacher um, when it came to diving in because I couldn't see how that was going to work, but he could. And I'm so glad that he pushed me outside of my comfort zone because it has opened up so many more opportunities for me. So that when I was in secondary school, uh, I gradually progressed and I got my uh, 800 meter uh, swimming badge. And then regularly after, after school, I would, uh, I would have been around age probably 22, 23 years old, something like that. I would regularly swim a mile just for, uh, just for fitness. And I'm always looking for new challenges to take part in, really just to sort of push the boundaries of my disability. Let's see what I can physically do. So about five years ago, I think it was, I, uh, I entered the Sport Relief Swimathon. I did a two and a half kilometer swim. And then uh, two years ago, I actually thought, well, I'm going to go to the next step up. And I, I did the Marie Curie Swimathon. It was, um, it was a five kilometer swim. So it, uh, 200 lengths of, of a leisure center uh, swimming pool. Now I knew it was going to be really, really difficult for me to do that. But just the very fact that I've got that movement in my arms, which means that I can move slowly in the, in the water, I knew that just because I could move, that five kilometers was going to be difficult, hard and challenging for me, but I still knew it, I could do it. I knew it was possible. So I completed it in the end. 
in the end. It took, it took, it took about five and a half hours. Um, uh, I had to do it, but I, but I made it. Shortly after that, someone also mentioned to me uh, about a triathlon, especially for disabled people to take part in. And I've always enjoyed watching triathlons on television, enjoyed watching the Brownlee Brothers, for example. And I thought, wow, this is such a great opportunity for me to actually give, actually give this a go. It was held at Eton Dorney, the Olympic rowing venue uh, for the London Olympics. And so I thought, I thought, well, I might as well just enter the longest distance that they offer because I want to see if I, see if I can actually do the distance. I'm going to be slow at whatever distance I do. So let's, let's aim, let's aim for the distance rather, rather than the time. So the longest distance they offered, because it was, uh, especially for disabled people, the distances were shorter. So the longest distance was the equivalent of a sprint triathlon for an able-bodied person. So it's a, a 750 meter lake swim. A 20 kilometer cycle. Now, I can't ride a normal bike because of the way my disability affects me. I can't bend my legs properly. So I ride a hand cycle. Uh, you'll see it on video shortly. And then it was a five kilometer run. I'm not allowed to run anymore because of, um, uh, because I've had ankle surgery when I was 21. But I'm still allowed to walk. Uh, as far as I want. So I thought, well, if I can do all these three things, it's a matter of just training for it and let's see if, let's see if I can Let's see if I can do this. And a bit like my athletic story, I finished way behind everyone else. I think, I think the next slowest person beat me by about an hour and a half. But never mind. I actually, I actually did the same triathlon again in, uh, in August, uh, just gone. And I just beat my time by 16, 16 seconds. So I was, it was, it was, uh, it was, uh, it was so close. Still, still four hours, 12 minutes and, and whatever, but I beat it by 16 seconds, so. Hardly anything, but uh, I'm going to enter it again for this this coming August and just see if I can meet my time. So I drive an adapted car. Uh, so, any of you ever seen a car without a steering wheel before? Yeah, yeah. Well, I I steer with uh, with handlebars, just like riding a bike. Uh, again, you'll uh, you'll see it on video shortly, and uh, I can manage to accelerate and brake with my right foot, and it's automatic, so I don't have to worry about the about the clutch. For the horn wipers, indicators, and the lights, I've got a head control, and this is just absolutely amazing for me. It just gives me so much independence. So I I, I drove here here myself tonight, and I actually regularly speak around the country at the moment in all sorts of places, churches, schools, prisons, I just, just, wherever, uh, just wherever I get invited. And it, having the car just gives me that real independence. I can just get in the car and go on my own. I don't have to rely on other people, which is, which is brilliant for me. So I think really that's the, uh, that's the activities um, side, of, side of my story. So if we go back to, the, back, back to that prayer that the pastor prayed, bearing in mind that the doctor said I would never walk, may never sit up, and would have a have a bleak outlook. The pastor prayed that one day I'd be physically able to walk down the aisle of the, aisle of the church, and I very much believe that God has stepped into my situation, and and this is this is what's happened. The second thing that the pastor prayed for was that uh, one day I'd be able to play the organ like my dad. Now, Dad, he used to play the organ most weeks, if not every week, at church. And being able-bodied would play uh, using both of his hands, all of his fingers. And when we were given the bleak outlook when I was, when I was very young, mum asked the consultant with that little bit of hope, 
because Dad plays the piano and the organ, obviously the piano is similar to play with your hands, um, is there ever any chance of me playing? And the consultant basically said, look at my hands as they are. There's absolutely no chance uh, whatsoever. There's even doubt that I would have the strength to press down a key. Well, when I was five years old, we had a piano at home, and Dad would play the piano. And watching him play, it really inspired me. I thought, I want to be able to play what you're playing. So I asked, I asked my parents, could I start having piano lessons? And so they agreed, let's just give it a try. It might be something that I could work, work towards. It could be, it could really set it as a, as a challenge. So, my parents arranged uh, piano lessons at school. And the first thing in my first piano lesson was could I actually press down a key? And I could with my right hand, and I could with my left hand. So again, just the very fact that I had the strength to press down a key with both hands meant it was the start of something difficult, hard and challenging, but I knew it was still going to be possible. As you can imagine from, that, from, there, from then onwards, it was a little bit slow progress. Um, because it was a matter of trying to work out what fingers I could actually use when I play. Uh, but I gradually progressed, and uh, when I was uh, 11, I got my grade 5 uh, piano. I then moved to a secondary school, and a new teacher uh, couldn't, couldn't take me on. So I taught myself, and I think Dad probably showed me some things over those years. I then did music A-level, and I had more lessons then. And then I went off to uh, Nexus, which is a Christian music college in, in Coventry. And, uh, <laughs> and, and I think that's, that's where I uh, really uh, developed as, as a musician. And I think, think from a young age, I really just wanted to try and get to, a, get to a level, get to a standard where I could play the piano in church uh, without, my play, without my playing being a distraction. And what I mean by that is because of my sort of poor sort of fingering techniques, I probably have a tendency to hit down other notes as well as the notes that I intend to play. So, so I've been working on that, on that over, over the years. So shortly I'm actually going to play for you uh, in a time of worship. Before we do that, I'm going to show a short video. This video just demonstrates how I've adapted to take part in various activities. So I just want to leave with you a thought. Next time you face a difficult, hard or challenging situation, remember... If you ask God to step in, with God it is still possible.